am the voice of your subconscious. Now, concentrate. Remember? Your pyramid of elephants is standing in a ring, waiting for a climax. You are now getting that climax. How's the reception? Coming through okay? Good. Suddenly from the sidelines comes your climax. Galloping across the arena. He jumps from a springboard to a platform at the very pinnacle of your pyramid. He waves a flag for a glorious finish. And who is your climax? The little elephant with the big ears. The world's mightiest midget, Mastodon Dumbo! Dumbo. 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 I got it. I got it. And welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that puts the plus in Disney Plus. It's Talking the Mickey. My name is Ian. My name's Ellie. I'm Ethan. And all the way from Little Bitch Pod, we've got a very special guest today in Dan. Say hello, Dan. Hiya. <laughs> How are you? Now, you are up Sheffield way, right? Yeah, from Sheffield, from sunny Yorkshire, very warm Yorkshire at the moment. Now, I, I said that like I have any idea where Sheffield was. I'm like, you're from Sheffield. It's just a word, really. I mean, may as well be Shangri. You should know where Sheffield is. Oh, should it's I? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but it's very much the Shang- historic town, uh, city that is Sheffield. It's Histor- a couple of hours north. Is it really? Yeah. Okay, so it's somewhere in Midlands. If I say Midlands, is like that right? Northeast Midlands. Northeast. Yeah. So, so it's the northeast. It's not, it, it is Yorkshire. It's Yorkshire. <laughs> Big fan of the tea. It's about all. And, and, and the pudding. If I had to rank them, putting ahead of tea, I think. <laughs> yeah, the tea's not great. All right. But... So for anybody who's listened to us who's not in England, I mean, I do apologize for that, like, 75 seconds. Your of... terrible English geography lesson. My terrible English geography lesson. <laughs> Making this accessible for people all over the world. Um, strange. I, I, Ethan, I don't know if you saw, I sent a little picture out today. Apparently, we have a number one film review podcast in Kazakhstan today. Yeah, that was a... A weird, a weird place that I was expecting us to, to be number it one. It was not in my thought process either, but it is. So if you're out there from <laughs> Kazakhstan, welcome. Thank you for listening. Excellent. We just keep popping up in countries where we don't know any know any people yeah. in you know real life. So that's on, lovely. On that side, though, we have hit top 25 in Canada, and I do know people there. Excellent. So that is good. And uh, we're doing well still in Japan. We're still top 20 in Japan. So that's been, a, Japan. that's been a few weeks. So th- thank you to the Japanese people and the Canadian people who listen to this podcast. And we welcome our, our new Kazakhstani listeners. Is that the adjectival form of Kazakhstan? <laughs> Are you Kazakhstani? I'll take the blame for that and I'll say yes. Okay, excellent. Ethan, your, 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 your mic is kind of tinny. Is it on? How is this? That is <laughs> infinitely better. <laughs> And so a couple of shout-outs to give out this week. The Andrew Shevsky Memorial shout-out. One of me from Mr. Andrew Shevsky. Haven't heard from you. Are you okay? So. Let us know. Ethan has a very particular set of skills that, need, if need to be deployed, <laughs> can be as he will take down captors. Um, shout-out to the Drink Drunk Dead podcast who keep, bless you, you keep 
you keep showing us some love on the Twitter, and we do appreciate that. And a big shout-out to Debbie, who was on the program last week and gave us a review of Muppets Now featuring her son, Toby. He was not a fan. <laughs> Ethan, did you watch, <laughs> Ethan, did you watch episode two of Muppets Now? Yeah, I, I did. Oh. I think I might have sent a message to you saying, uh, say, saying somewhat good things, and now I've got a very bad feeling. No, I, literally, I have a very bad feeling. I literally just watched it before we came on. Dan, have you watched any of the Muppets Now series on Disney Plus? I have not. Okay. Because we no. hated episode. I'm not a fan of the Muppets. Oh my word! Well, unfor- unfortunately, we, we've we've lost Dan, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, we we all kind of slated episode one. I thought episode two was actually really quite strong. Yeah, I I really I liked it. Fan of the first sketch. Like, oh, I, do, I liked I, it. I always love I love Pepe and stuff. Um, I think you must have liked it because it it's very fuzzy heavy in places. That second episode with Swedish Chef was fantastic. It was great. I wasn't expecting Danny Trejo of all people. But everything but, I hated about the first one, the second one fixed. I, I know, it was, it was absolutely fantastic. Abysmal. The way they interacted, especially in the Swedish Chef episode, was how I would have wanted it yes. to, to, to be. He like, treated it, it, not just Swedish Chef, like but, he, but he treats the host like a real person as well. Yeah. It was just as opposed to the other one who just clearly she didn't know what she was doing. Like, she didn't know how to interact with, with the Muppets, and that was... Uh, Unfortunate, and I thought Kermit they, they they got his character and his voice better this time around than last oh, first yeah. episode. So I think the I, I enjoyed the Muppet Lab stuff with with Beaker and, and Honeydew. That was that was really entertaining. Actually, that was really good. I, I, had, a, I had a good laugh at Beak R and Beaker 1.0 and like these little these little pop up. I don't know if YouTube probably aren't old enough. Dan, I don't even know how old you are. Are any of you old enough to remember pop up video? Yes. Because I had a computer the youngest person. it was like it was like music videos that would have random facts like pop up on the screen, and it was probably like YouTube before oh, YouTube yeah. was YouTube, yeah. and they kind of incorporated a lot of that in the Beaker versus Beaker 1.0 um, sort of sketch there, and I really enjoyed. It was more what I was hoping to see, but. The danger doing a podcast like this, where you record and then you release a couple days later, and it's my, my, last week we recorded quite early actually, was we recorded we had a buttload of Disney news and we finished <laughs> and like an hour later news broke that Mulan is going to be released for premium on Disney Plus and no longer in the movie theaters themselves and I was going I don't even know what to make of this it is the first I mean the whole industry is watching this not just Disney but like other tentpole franchises or not franchise other tentpole films for the summer like Tenet like uh, Black Widow I mean, you've got to be looking at this going, how is this going to work? Because if the American box office is out of commission for too long, this might be the way movies get released. But you've got to think, the minute it hits a TV screen at home, it's going to be on, like, BitTorrent, like, four hours later, right? Oh, yeah. My 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 understanding of this, personally, is this is going to be 30 US dollars to watch. And this is a remake of Mulan, which is a very good film, but no songs, no Mushu, no this, no that, no, no whatever. Right, yeah. but, but let's keep well, in mind, I mean, that was going to be the case even if you went to the cinema for it. Oh, yeah, but $30. Well, I see, $30, I can't, I, can't, I can't see that being justifiable at all. If this was last year and it was Endgame, I would go, okay, that's a little bit more justifiable. We've had, like, what, 10, 11 years to build up to this. $30 whilst I'm not okay with it, that makes more sense. But for a remake of a already popular film with a lot of the stuff stripped away, I, I can't I can't see it. See, if you've got a family of like four or five plus, $30 actually is quite reasonable if you think about the costs associated with taking your kids to the movies. Popcorn and all that. 
the markups you pay everywhere, let alone the, the fact you'll pay more than thirty dollars for Hamley afford to get in. But then people on Facebook who are like, "I have Disney Plus; they should give it to me for free." And I'm like, "This is a two hundred million dollar film. They're not just throwing it up there and going, ah, forget the box office. We I got Hamilton. We should appreciate Hamilton. that. Thirty for Hamilton. Yeah, Hamilton. That's, yeah. that's what that, I that's said, fine. Ethan, as well, because that's something mm-hmm. that you would always go and pay that more than that for an individual ticket and it is the recording of the stage show but this is a bit different because the technology has been here for years uh, I, I first started teaching about this concept this 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 business model about three four years ago because we knew it was on the horizon the question was how do you stop people from going to the movie theaters N- not for a moment did i think global pandemic <laughs> was going to be the answer to that <laughs> but it is what it is i don't i don't know i mean i, I didn't I didn't care enough to go see it for for five quid at the Majestic, so I won't be paying whatever it would be for. Um, I imagine it's getting released in the UK. Actually, normally, because mm-hmm. theaters I think are starting like to open. Twenty-five in the UK. Is it twenty-five in the UK? Yeah, I think but so. I mean, I wouldn't go see it either way. But if it was a movie I really, really, really wanted to see, well, then you just make an appointment viewing and you invite some folks around and you get your thirty bucks that way. But I mean, it's it's going to be on BitTorrent four hours after it's released. Oh, yeah. So this is the thing. I, Can I know, economics I know, work? Um, I know a couple studios have done this already. I know, uh, I think it was DreamWorks did that with Trolls 2 or whatever. Uh, that one was yeah. right at the beginning. Um, I think... But that was more of a typical a... video-on-demand price. It wasn't this premium £30 yeah, pound like, thing, was it? it was like 15 I think. Oh, was that and much? I th- okay. Yeah, it was 15 and it Because these, these are to rent, as far as I know. These are, these are basically... You get it for like a one-time thing and you watch it. And 15 I think, is... For a kid's film where you know it's going to be at least two or three kids watching for a thing like trolls world tour or whatever it was 15 for like a film like that that's fine 30 quid is just i can't they're they're, I can't. they're really testing the market i didn't realize it was only yeah. to rent as well that's even worse oh you don't get to keep it's awful it, it depends on what I mean, the theory i guess is that families are, are going to be watching it together and if you look at it that way maybe it's better but i don't know we have a pretty uh, dan i don't know what's like in sheffield we have a pretty cheap local cinema here called the majestic which runs about five quid a ticket so re- oh, really wow. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's an absolute gem of, of of an independent cinema yeah. here in the Kingsland region. So yeah, all all of our cinemas are ridiculous. They're all at minimum price of about twelve pound. Really? So if you have so. that, the thirty pound sort of option, if you get three people, yeah. you're, you're saving money already. And you can bring your own food and drink and yada yada yada. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Don't know. Uh, Ethan, you got a hold of me on on a, some more Disney news. Uh, Tron three, you said. Yeah, Tron 3. Got I, I, I hated um, Tron 1, so I didn't see Tron 2. <laughs> the idea of a third Tron. I'm like, are Disney going to make any original content ever again? I'm I didn't okay even know there was a Tron 2. <laughs> Tron, Tron 2 was, is divisive, which because uh, they do Red a versus blue? age. <laughs> they do a lot of um, age, like, uh, age regression technology like they do currently with the Marvel oh, films. Yeah, yeah. But this is at the time where it was, what, 2011? It doesn't look nice. Um, Jeff Thingy. I can't remember his, his name. Uh, the dude. Isn't it? Oh, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, Jeff Bridges. Okay. He does not look good in Age Down Technology in 2011. <laughs> does he not? <laughs> yeah, but um, it, yeah, it's, it seems possibly promising. It's being directed by the director of Lion, which was a pretty good film uh, from a few years ago. Okay. And it's called Tron Ares, and that was uh, broken by everyone's favorite Joker, Jared Leto. And then I went, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> he's a good actor when he tries. Oh, I he, really like him in Blade Runner. It's a shame think... that he's taken the heat for... For Suicide oh. Squad, I don't know if that's really his fault. Yeah, I mean, I 
I still think they should have just got Killian Murphy back since he was in the second one and he was good as a Jared Leto type in that. Okay. But yeah, there, there's uh, there's no date for this yet, so I guess we'll just have to see how this goes. Okay. Any other Disney news in passing? Uh, Ethan's kind of your gambit, isn't it? Uh, Raya and the Last Dragon got some uh, announce announcement stuff uh we had a poster for that come out last week which is the next disney film i know nothing about this other than it's set in china and that's about it that's, uh, no it, that, that seems like it's actually an original creation i was i was giving yeah. disney disney a bit of a, a hard time there for not actually creating anything new anymore but uh, maybe there's something there it would look like um and miss marvel it, which is going to be a disney plus show has just started production so that's really exciting for me because i've always liked kamala khan as a character oh and one division is apparently releasing in november now so. excellent that's good so uh just really quickly the last piece of business before we jump into the film um two weeks from now our episode that's coming in 14 days we are doing a little bit of an about face, and we are giving the option of what we're reviewing from a short list to the listener. So we have four options up on our polls on Twitter and Facebook, and this is where I try and remember all the ones that I put down. I believe it's Lilo and Stitch, Bolt, The Rescuers, and The Aristocats. I'm getting the nod. Aww. Those are the four options. Please go ahead and visit our Twitter page or our Facebook page, both at Talking the Mickey. Oh, sorry. Twitter is at Talk the Mickey. Uh, Facebook is at Talking the Mickey. And please let us know your thought process. We will do what you want us to do because uh, we need one more film to watch while Georgia's still away <laughs> doing her summer job. And those are all ones that she's basically gone. Yeah, you can do those without me. <laughs> oh, I'm looking. I'm looking at. Um, I'm looking at a current poll, and I think I know what might be winning. Yeah, and I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> to be fair, about three of those I'm not looking forward to. There's only one I really like the idea of. But those are fun too. So today, though, we are doing Dumbo. We are thrilled to have Dan on. We have had Dan booked for our Dumbo episode for absolutely ever. Dan. Um, are there a sister podcast, best film ever? When we were first starting out, you sort of meet other people in the podcast community yeah. and Dan and Marshall from little bitch pod, were the first kind of other podcasters that we kind of connected with and went, Hey, they kind of do stuff like we do stuff. And I like their stuff and they seem to like our stuff. It's great. So I am thrilled, Dan, that you are here to do double. Why, why usually I say, why did you choose Dumbo? But what, what is it about Dumbo that you seem to like so much? Oh, it's Dumbo's. Be, I've always watched Disney movies since being teeny tiny, and Dumbo was just one of the ones that I sort of like. I got, I just got Dumbo. I got his feelings. Like I, I just think the entire movie is about like not judging things by their appearance, and it was just something I learned from Dumbo. Really, <laughs> as silly as that sounds, and. No, I'm sorry. I'm just he's just super cute as well. He's like the cutest like as far as thing ever. <laughs> as far as using a film as like a moral for children, I mean it's a really easy one there, isn't it? You know, yeah, don't definitely. believe in yourself. Don't judge in your appearance. Believe, you know, you, you can do it. Don't let other people hold you down. So don't judge others, but also don't let them define who you are. It's it's exactly it, yeah, and, and and it's an adorable character model. Like no, the actual, he's the cutest little thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He melts the heart. As opposed to this weather, which is just melting everybody, I think, just flat yeah. out right now. <laughs> it is hot in the UK. Um, so, let's jump into uh, the contest between Dumbo. Dumbo, uh, based on a children's story written by Helen Abison meyer and Harold Pearl. And I found discrepancy between um, Walt's take on it. I found one report that said... 
The book was brought to Walt's attention in late 1939 by the head of merchandising, and he instantly loved it and saw its possibilities and purchased the rights to it. That's story number one. Story number two, initially Walt was uninterested in making the movie. And to get him interested, the storyman, Joe Grant and Dick Humor, wrote up the film as installments, which they left on his desk every morning. Finally, he ran into the story department saying, this is great, what happens next? And I couldn't distinguish between the two, which one is the accurate report. So if there's any super crazy Disney historians, get in touch, let us know, because I do not know. Originally, it was intended to be a short film. You could argue in many ways it still is. Uh, yeah, it's, what is it, six, 63 minutes? Yeah, it's like very, that. very short. An hour and a, an hour and a tiny bit. Uh, but Walt seemed to think there was enough in there to uh, make it a feature-length film. At the time, Disney Studios is in financial trouble because Pinocchio and Fantasia especially have lost money. And so the intent was to keep this as low budget as possible. And I saw fingerprints of low budget uh, in in a few places here. But uh, specifically, uh, they were told just basically cut corners. And so one of them was they used watercolor for the backgrounds. The only other film that they did which used that was Snow White. Uh, They would eventually do a little bit in Lilo and Stitch years later. But those would be the only ones. They used less experienced animators under the watch of more experienced animators. And the cells, this is a great little fact, for the film are the rarest in the industry to find. The actual, like, individual frames. Because when oh, wow. they would be done with them, I love this, this might be the inexperienced animator speaking, they would throw them all on the floor of the corridor and make, like, a slip and slide. Which, of course, would, like, wow. scratch them and they'd be useless afterwards. But I guess if you need to blow off steam, this is what you did in 1940. <laughs> I don't know. That's it. (laughs) Oh, no. So, uh, and so they turned over a 63 minute film to RKO because RKO was the distributor for Disney films mainly at this time. And RKO said, we want 10 more minutes. Uh, And which point Walt said, no, I can't afford it. It would ruin the story. We're not doing it. And just held firm. And they went, all right. And maybe because it's so short, uh, Dumbo is one of the films that was allowed to be shown on the Disneyland um, television program once it started up and actually resulted in great demand uh, for it in later theatrical releases. Do we remember what other film we've reviewed that did that, that same strategy? Oh, God. That was, uh, I'm saying Alice in Wonderland, right? Yeah, you're correct. Well done. It is Alice in Wonderland. Oh, nice. Yep. Uh, but despite um, all this going on, despite the fact that World War II is on, Dumbo is the most financially successful Disney film of the 40s. They spend just under a million on it, and it makes like 1.3 million. So it, it, it does okay. Um, of the two, sorry, and it's uh, only the second profitable Disney film to that point after Snow White, and it'll be the last profitable film until Cinderella. So I don't think oh, I realized wow. just how many times they were making films that weren't making money. Now, you have to keep in mind, obviously, once you make money, I mean, you can have those characters for licensing rights forever, and they will definitely more than pay for themselves. But as far as initial money into money back, uh, I didn't realize how much of a haircut they were taking so often. Got Bambi and then just loads of package films in between that and Cinderella. So. Yeah, so I guess it's not too surprising. Uh, along with Alice in Wonderland, Dumbo is the first of the animated films to be released for to home video. Which is interesting because if I thought, if you're looking at like 1981 and you're going, what two Disney films do we want to make available first? I get Alice in Wonderland. I'm not sure I get Dumbo. I feel no, like Dumbo would be too small. Yeah. Yeah. You, you'd feel like they'd go for the princesses. The princesses, the you know, uh, or or maybe Peter Pan, Jungle Book, ones that seem to have 
more of that sing-songy heritage, yeah, if you Jungle will. Jungle Book would be a good call because it's not kind of boy or girl heavy. It's it's quite a unisex. Well, I don't know. Is, is, is Dumbo gendered one no, way? No, um, I was okay. going to say that would be that might be a reason for it. But Jungle Book is a much higher profile unisex kind of film, I think. And then finally, in 2017, it is declared as uh, being worthy of being selected for preservation in the U.S. National Film Registry as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant, which generally seems to be the highest honor you can really give a film in the annals of time. And that's really all I have at the start. There's a, there's a lot to unpack once we get into it in some places, mm-hmm. and uh, it should make some good conversation. So here we go. The film starts off, and it was a cold and rainy night. Or a dark and stormy night, one might say. Um, and there's some narration and poetry about the weather. It's all in rhyming couplets. It's in rhyming couplets. Really and the thunder knows <laughs> when, it's, when it needs to be cued. And then the thunder crash. I'm like, that's really effective when that happens. And there's like this reference of neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night. And you guys might not have picked up on this being where you're from. This is the mantra of the U.S. Postal Service. Okay. Oh. So when the oh. stork is delivering the babies and you get them prefaced with this neither stork. So that's what they do. This is, a, In essence, this is a mail carrier, isn't that's it? Really delivering his parcel <laughs> to who needs to be delivered. And so we get the first song of the piece, really, which is Look Out for Mr. Stork. I love this song. It's got that kind of barbershop quartet yes, I, thing going yeah. on and it's it's just really lovely my first note is that i love barbershop yeah but it's barbershop mixed with that classic disney <laughs> sound as well and you needed to love barbershop for the first half of this film because oh, yeah. there's a lot of it we had to do this song uh when i was a bit younger i was in a barbershop and this is one of the first songs well we well, well let's not let's do. not gloss over this you were in a barbershop quartet <laughs> i was in a barbershop quartet when i was in high school for a wow which voice were you the, I was because were, like, like, were, like, were you like were you like were you like were you like or were you the soprano? Oh, you were the high one. I was the yeah, <laughs> you were the, you were the high was, tenor. Yeah, I, my voice hadn't broken yet, so they were like, "We need someone to do the high stuff." It was me and one other guy, and it was impossible. <laughs> Is this like? I guess this would be like during like your yeah. You said you said thirteen, right? Yeah. So it's like oh geez, outstanding. And so these storks have somehow seen the mighty ducks years ahead of time because they are <laughs> totally rocking a flying V. And they go over, and I love a Disney map. Like, whenever you had a Disney film from this time, you would look down from a height, and it would say Florida over Florida. Yeah. Like, they were somehow, like, meshing the idea of flying into a, 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 a labeled map itself. Yeah, on your literal bird's eye view. Yes. Yeah. And so, uh, an interesting fact, this is the first Disney film to be set in the United States of America. Oh. Yeah. Ah. And it was also the first yeah. film to be uh, set in the present day. So in 1941, it's set in 1941. And that wouldn't happen again until 101 Dalmatians in 61. Because usually they try to make it, you know, a long time ago in a, maybe not so much a galaxy far, far away, but a place <laughs> Once far, far upon away. A time. Once upon a time. And we have a litter of baby animals being dropped off. We got kangaroos and bears and hippos and tigers. Oh my. And giraffes. <laughs> And a little pre-Bambi foreshadowing with the giraffe trying to find its footing, I thought. Yeah. This is really oh, yeah. cute, though, isn't it? The, yeah. The tiger baby's paws look like little cartoon steaks. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I, I really love the hippo. I yeah, the hippo is cute. Fell in love with the hippo. <laughs> I was like, I want a hippo spin-off. <laughs> I love when they put the hippo on the train. It's got like a little kind of pool for it to go into in the train carriage. Like yeah, a really specialised that, yeah. carriage. <laughs> and then we introduce to the elephant, Mrs. Jumbo. And she is looking around like me when I know I have an Amazon parcel coming. And I'm like, <laughs> every time I'm like, like, my neighbors are getting one. I'm like, where is mine? <laughs> Alexa said it's coming today. Where is that parcel? And she's sure of it. But so much is said in this point. I'm making a bit of a joke of it. But so much of it is said in the score underneath uh, Mrs. Jumbo's animation and these two i thought were absolutely perfectly throughout and maybe it's not surprising uh to hear that uh, uh dumbo wins the academy award for best score yeah not surprising at oh it's it's a beautiful score it's it's so well and i think you can see fingerprints of the idea of using music to tell the story that was present in fantasia you can see that not a hangover but you can see an echo of that legacy yeah. in dumbo i think the music's really varied as well i think in this film it is particularly Later on, you get the big contrast. And so we then move. So she doesn't get her. Everybody gets a baby except for um, Mrs. Jumbo. It's like Oprah. You get a baby. You get a baby. Everybody gets a baby, but not Mrs. Jumbo. And then the train. And I I made my film notes before I did my context notes. And I've just got my notes here. Quality of the animations really come a long way since since Dumbo. (laughs) Not realizing, of course, they were cutting distance. Um, uh, cutting costs, sorry. Especially because in the long distance, anything that's in the background, there's not much detail. So the characters, uh, there's a shot of the train, and like everything's like just like nebulous blobs as it walks towards the train. And it's not until you zoom in you get more detail on Some it. Some of the really insignificant circus people as well that are in the background of things. Yeah, just gonna, like little circles with gonna, smiley faces. We're going to talk about that when we get to that scene. Yeah, I can just promise no, you. no faces whatsoever. No faces. It's like in animes, we have like the most uh, detailed things ever and every line has like its own little bit of detail. But you move like, what, a fraction of a millimeter away from the camera and it's like a circle with a smiley face. <laughs> I don't know if it's, <laughs> if I prefer it like Sword in the Stone, because Sword in the Stone, they just didn't bother to animate anything in the background. It, <laughs> remember, they, they were all just still. Yeah. And like London, we <laughs> was like, there was like nine people actually in London. The rest was just like a drawing that didn't move. Yeah, it would have been better to have lots of circle smiley faces. I think, in I think, I think the blobs would have been better. And so then we get all these animals and their situations. And I'm telling you, I don't know what dirt the kangaroos have on the circus master, but they got a big-ass train car all to themselves. <laughs> like, massive. But I was starting to think, I'm like, you know, that's way too much free space to the point where if there's any stops and starts, I mean, like, they're going to get jostled around. <laughs> you actually want more people there. I don't think they were so health and safety conscious back then. And Mrs. Jumbo, though speaking of being conscious of things, is still looking at the air. Oh, she's so sad. And she's there. And there's another page, pushy elephant behind her who doesn't get a um, character name. The elephant's just the matriarch elephant, apparently. That, that is the official character name huh. that I could find. Dan, in your Dumbo fandom, do you know anything more about this? Um, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I'm, I, I'm not going to lie. I could, I could make up a name. <laughs> yeah, she, She's called Brenda. That's, Bre- Brenda I love it. You elephant. know what? Brenda. Let's run with that. <laughs> Brenda the elephant. So, and like they are cramming. Like they're literally pushing the backside of this elephant in to try and cram it in to this train car. And I'm like, those two kangaroos have got space. Like you don't have to do this. Um, and then... <laughs> And then the train says, all aboard. And I'm going, oh, 
is the train alive? And I think the train is alive. Yeah. I think so. I love Casey Jr. so much. Is this the only like mechanical being that's or mechanical object that's alive in this film? I think I so. Think. Like that's the backstory I want to know. I mean, you can have your hippo <laughs> spin-off if you want, Dan. I want to know Casey Jr.'s story <laughs> about how he's an enchanted train who can't get free. I, I, I just feel like there was a lot of alcohol and drugs <laughs> when making this movie. <laughs> but, with, with the dancing elephants and the talking trains. <laughs> absolutely. And then we had the song, Casey Jr., and it felt a little, I've got here a little samey because we got some barbershop happening again. Mm. And uh, but it's really jolly and it's nice. And I, got, I have a love for this song. <laughs> okay, do you, you want to explain why? Oh, um, <clears throat> mainly because when I was going on my trip to Disney Paris a couple years ago, um, it was the one song that we kept playing over and over. And the, one of the first rides we rode was uh, the Casey Jr. train ride where they just <laughs> blare the song the entire time. Amazing. And... Also, like Casey Jr. has a weird has a like a weird amount of presence in the parks. He's got uh, his train ride, and also he's the hot dog stand because they've got Casey's Corner where they sell all of the main food, like in the front of the park. Oh, okay. Uh, I discovered I love shadow animation, and what I Always mean by that nice. is anytime where like the object you're supposed to be looking at is actually out of the frame, but they show mm. you the train's moving by showing you the shadow of the train on, like, the mountains or whatever it is to the side. I've discovered I just really like that, especially when it sort of adheres to the physics of, like, the landscape around it. Mm-hmm. So if the slope changes, so too does the angle of the shadow. I just love that. There's one part where, like, they go through a tunnel and the sun's starting to set, and you can see the train going, like, through the background to the forefront. But you can also see, like, uh, the storks gliding in their V formation as well, and it, it looks so beautiful. It does. If you stop that frame, you could put that on a wall and be like, oh, that's just a nice painting. Mm-hmm. It's so well done. But you can't because they slid on all the cells and ruined them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, the stork, I say returns, a different stork appears. And the clouds are solid, somewhat. <laughs> and then the stork starts talking. And I'm going, I know this voice. And it's the voice, uh, the actor's called Sterling Holloway, who has been in like a million, not a million, but several <laughs> Disney films besides Dumbo. Does anybody know? Dan, familiar. do you know any of this? Doesn't he play in Peter Pan? I Smeed. Don't, Smeed? I don't have him in uh, Smee. I don't have him as I, that. I, I, I was watching it this morning and that voice reminded me of someone as well. It's, and I thought... I need, I need to Google that before I go on, and I forgot to. The one we probably know him bad. the best as is he's the Cheshire Cat in Alice in Wonderland. Oh, Cheshire it's Cat. Start, he's also yeah. Rockefeller in the Aristocats, which if you vote... I've never seen the Aristocats. So if you vote for the Aristocats, I can learn all about him in a couple of Rick. weeks. Sorry? It's Roquefort. Roquefort. Like the cheese. Yeah, sure. Um, or Ka <laughs> in the Jungle Book. Oh, that means he's Winnie the Pooh oh, as well, though. It does mean he's Winnie the Pooh, absolutely. So the stork is really a silly little tubby one stuffed with fluff or however the song goes. <laughs> so, yeah. And so the stork shows up and asks the elephant, which one is Mrs. Jumbo? And she's kind of shamed by the other elephants for this. <laughs> like, well, I never. She's over there. I think it's the insinuation that they're fat because he comes in and says, are you expecting? Okay. So they're like, how dare you think that I'm pregnant? I'm just an elephant. Why is Mrs. Jumbo ostracized already? Why is she? (laughs) No idea. But I'll say it again. She's got so much living space. Maybe she's just given more space because she's pregnant. Maybe. 
Uh, and then we have the reveal because, it's, again, it's like me and an Amazon package. We cannot get into this um, wrapping. Uh, but mm-hmm. the elephant matriarch, Brenda, as we've not become to call her, Brenda, Brenda yeah. played by Verna Felton. Brenda the elephant. Also, it was, um, it was Sterling Holloway's first Disney film. It's also Verna Felton's first Disney film. And you would know her as the Queen of Hearts. You would know her as the fairy godmother. You would know her as Winifred the Elephant because she knows, you know, she's sort of a character type, I guess, in Jungle Book. <laughs> and she was also Aunt Sarah in Lady and the Tramp. It's so, amazing how many repeat films they used to use people for. Yeah. Yet, yet, I don't know if you noticed, but the voices get no credit in the credits. There's no bit where you say who the, who the mm. vocal artists are in Dumbo. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've, I've so. never noticed. Now, is... Brenda, the closest thing this film have to an antagonist? Yes, yeah. uh, that and humans. I mean, you can, and the, yeah, the clowns, the clowns, maybe the ringmaster. I, I, I feel like they all just use Dumbo. I feel like everyone bar Dumbo and Mrs. Jumbo on all the way good. Yeah, it's not a bad show. Even Timothy, I'm looking at you. That's a really interesting point. Let's definitely talk <laughs> about that. Yeah. So then the stork has this whole rigmarole where he's got to do like, you know, here's a document you got to sign, and here's a song we've got to sing, and I'm like, and a poem. A poem. I just watched like 20 animals get dropped off. None of them had this. Well, this he's just stork- that extra. Yeah. He- yeah he, he's a he's the right job's worth, isn't it? Did everybody else get like stork prime? And therefore, they get like, or, or, or maybe he's Amazon Prime, and maybe everybody else was like Hermes, because it's like, you know, yeah, here's your kid, gone. <laughs> not Hello, to, kangaroo, here's your baby giraffe. Yes, yeah, not doing any of the proper protocols. Hope it's right. If it's not, your tracking number doesn't work. <laughs> Whereas this stork's like doing it right. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good at his job. Pretty good for his job. He's 18 hours late. Yeah, but it's because Dumbo's heavy. <sighs> he's carrying a baby elephant. And so they sing happy birthday to Jumbo Jr. I'm surprised they had happy birthday in this because you have to license that song. That would have been before, maybe? Before what? I don't, before it got, like, copyrighted. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. That happened. Yeah, but it took two people to write that song. I know that much. Two? Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's four lines, but it took two people to write. That's why you can't use it in, like, television shows or unless, unless you pay for it. At some point, that's got to be coming up into, into public domain. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, um, I want I want all the SoundCloud rappers to use like use that uh, afterwards because it will be free to use. Just, just free like to use beats. for everything. Yeah, um, and then it's look at the character designs of the other elephants. There's about four of them, but they've all got these really bright headpieces. Yeah, and whereas Mrs. Jumbo's is like this like faded pink, like it's not like like a nice pink. It's like it's the like the best years are 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 behind it, so to speak. It's like a grandma hat. A grandma hat, yes. I, I always see Mrs. Jumbo as uh, like an older elephant as well. Yeah. Like she just she just appears a bit weathered. An old, <laughs> an old maid who got a little bit lucky and... Yeah. By over them, by over them Brenda, give her a baby. Uh, Ellie, something to say? Uh, Happy Birthday was copyrighted in 1949. Oh, wow. So it was public oh. domain at this point. Yeah. Can you imagine how angry Walt must have been once he figured out he couldn't use it going forward? <laughs> Um, now what will my storks sing? That <laughs> <laughs> they just do the, the the whole Hermes thing now. Just drop the drop the thing off. Um, and so Dumbo looks really really cute, but his ears are tucked behind him. Then he sneezes, and the giant ears are revealed. 
and they get told his name is Jumbo. And they're like, Jumbo? More like Dumbo. <laughs> and I actually saw on like one of my bits of research, they tried to explain why he's called Dumbo. It's a mixture of the, of the adjective dumb and the name Jumbo. And I'm like, thank you for that explanation. I can... I can see why I've oh, gone wow. to. I guess I'm one of those like ten things you didn't know about Dumbo. And it's like you're my really mind, scraping the barrel on this one. Blown. Yeah. Name <laughs> he's given is an insult compromised of an insult and his name. Yep. Whoa. And That's so some top right in there. So he can't speak back because Dumbo is the only protagonist in the Disney canon who does not speak. Oh yeah. Really. Across my mind that he didn't talk at all. But Mrs. Jumbo just gets one line. She just says, "Dumb." His name is Dumbo. Jumbo Junior. Yeah. That's the only line she gets. But Brenda, she loves her to talk. <laughs> and in a <laughs> film, in a film as problematic as this one can be at places with a representation, it seems strange that the elephants all seem to be female, and it's like we'll have the good one not talk, <laughs> and the ones who are the villains, they're just going to talk all the time. <laughs> And is there some sort of a message here? Because Walt get I mean, Walt Walt's dirty in this film. When we start having some other bits, um, the, the the question is: Is there a message here? Because so many things represent other things. Is there a thing here where it's like women should not talk, and therefore, what do we do with, with the villains? We'll make them all talk because <laughs> that's not what women do. Very possibly. So uh, the train. We cut back to the train. It's trying to get to the next city. And this train, I mean, it's not got to be feeling good about the recent baby bonanza because this is extra weight it's got to haul. But did you catch it saying, I think I can, I think I can, as it was moving along? Yeah. Yeah, when he's like going up the mountain and his like his train tracks, hand things, I don't know. I like sort of go like going as if he's really climbing. And he's like panting and breathing, and I'm like, I really like Casey Jr. as a train, but this is horrifying. Do you do you, do you get the reference over here to be? I think I can. I think I can. No. 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 Okay. There's a book in uh, America called The Little Engine That Could. It's a little children's story oh! about about a self-aware train who who's trying to make it up a hill. And so I think I can. I think I can. Walt's just lifting it. Like okay. he's just he's happy birthday. He's <laughs> zoink. I'll take that. Um, little engine that could yeet. Is that the word? Am I using it right? Yeet. <laughs> yeah, yeet works. Okay, there we go. Yeet. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have that. I love how this the, that that I think I can. It was slowed down as it got close to the top of the hill, and he was struggling more and more yes. and more. And then as he started descending, it was like it was. I knew I could. I knew. Or I thought it was, I could. It was really really quick yeah. again, doesn't it? And oh so, God, and then it slows down when it pulls the into the station. Of the podcast. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have thought it would be me who would do it, but yes. And then the train stops abruptly, like super abruptly, and we see like you know the elephant shift slightly. And I'm just thinking those el- those kangaroos are dead. <laughs> <laughs> They've just gone splat against the side of the wall. Like it's not gone well. And then we have the song about putting up the big top, and. Um, the background characters don't get faces, which I can get my head around. But these background laborers are also all black. Yeah, yeah. I know it's that thing. And that becomes difficult. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh, that's not good. And then we see them all like banging in the like um, stakes into the ground. And then we cut and the elephants are then doing the exact same thing. And I'm like, okay, that's a bit of a something called – a." Soviet montage you put two things side by side and it sort of suggests a link between them I'm like you just had a 
the black laborers. Now you have the beasts literally doing the work. And I'm like, that's a bit of a um, that's problematic, I think. It definitely comes up again a lot later. It, it does right? come up again a lot I've got, later. I've got some yeah. notes on that. But uh, Dumbo's mini mallet is adorable. It is adorable. Oh, he's so cute. <laughs> he does no work, but he still thinks he's helping. And it goes, ding! Just to go back to that sort of problematic place, I just want to read you some lyrics from the song. Oh, yeah. We slave until we're almost dead. And also, <laughs> keep on working, stop that shirking, pull that rope, you hairy ape. Oh, my God. Oh. I, didn't realize, I, I knew the first two. I didn't realize they said ape. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. So the Encyclopedia of Racism in American Films noted that all the circus laborers are African-American, and it's the only time the, that blacks are seen as in literal black people in any great number in the entire movie. So that was hard work. Um, yeah. On the opposite of that, Dumbo was great with delicate work. He's got his little trunk and he's like threading like the ropes through like this. He's not that great at the at the light work, is he? Oh, oh, he's he be, he's, he's better than I would do. I would have that thing tangled him. in seconds. He's just adorable. He does it very cutely, so so it works for him. And he's always got his mother's tail as he walks, and just oh, it's just animated so lovely. I can just imagine Brenda was just like tutting at Dumbo every time he got involved. He's in the like, way. She, just, she wants to get the job done and Dumbo's just hitting himself on the head with the mallet and getting his, to- <laughs> uh, his trunk tied up. <laughs> you think you've got it stitched up, but half it's his ear. We got to undo it again. His ear got stuck in there. And just Brenda will just be there in the corner like, for goodness sake, <laughs> who's, who's employed this one? <laughs> And then we juxtapose this rainy, stormy night with a parade in town. And I guess this is probably how you drummed up work back in the day when you were the circus. You'd go give them a parade through the town and then hope they came and saw your show. Uh, I thought there was a great visual joke. As all, It's kind of like the – it's like Toy Story. It's like Wreck-It Ralph. The animals are aware of their function and perform that function. And when it screws up, they go, oh, shoot, don't ruin the act. Because the gorilla is screaming and he's shaking the bars and then one comes off in his hand <laughs> yeah. and he kind of looks around and puts it back on and then like resumes the act. And I thought that was great. I really appreciated the brass band's music. Okay. Um, and then the fact that they had a little clown band afterwards as well. Where it was like the same thing, but slapstick. That was fun. Yes. And those are some scary ass clowns we have in this parade. So uh, you mean clowns? Yeah, yeah potentially, yeah. And then Dumbo <laughs> trips on his ears. And this is something this film liked to do. It was never going to overstay its welcome on any shot. They're like, fade out! Fade out now! There's your extra ten minutes. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think that's a Dumbo thing. I think that's filmmaking in the 40s. But I kept wanting to go, just give it a beat or two. Let me actually feel some sympathy for this. This one was particularly abrupt. Even when the credits, they do the same thing. Like the opening credits, it's I'm like, oh, that's still going, and then the music is still playing. It hasn't even finished yet, and they just fade out before you yeah. can even get like the end note. And I'm like, oh, okay, explains why it's an hour long. <laughs> and then Dumbo's in the bath with this perfect underscoring, and I, I don't really know what I was typing here, but I think it's just the idea that I guess his mother's given him a, a, a bath of some sort, and I just got that it's a really touching scene and a really touching moment between. Uh, and I've got Dumbo, which is bloody cute. He's adorable. In this scene. It's really, really good. 
And then uh, Walt continues his uh, hatred against my people uh, <laughs> because we're going to make sure of a ginger kid. Man, I, I'm telling you, Golden Age Disney hated a ginger kid. <laughs> Sword in the Stone, like the two villains were both gingers. It's like, you know, we, we, got, we had to wait for Merida. I don't know how, what year of Brave came out. We had to wait for Merida for a decent <laughs> 12, ginger maybe. character, I think. But, but this kid isn't just ginger. He's all of the things that kids get picked on for. So he's got freckles and he's well, got... I got news for you. As a ginger kid, like freckles kind of come along for the package for okay, the most but part. He's got, he's got the buck teeth as well. And he's also got massive ears, which makes it even funnier that he's making fun of Dumbo. Yep. I was going to say, I was yeah, three of those for a kid with giant ears, why is he picking on Dumbo? You'd make him be like, oh, I pity you. I get you. We are the same. But no, I'm yeah, just going to not you more and get that's not, that's not That's not how kids work. <laughs> the only thing you want is you want there to be someone who's slightly worse than you in any capacity. Whatever your weakness is, find someone who's a little bit... If, if you're a rather big kid, find a kid who's a bit bigger and bully them for that. Just that way no one's looking at you. So, yeah. God, kids suck. They... Uh, no. <laughs> they... <laughs> kids, kids are awful. I agree with that. Kids are awful. As, as a teacher, I just want to say there's some very, very good kids out there. <laughs> Not at all in hatred of, 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 of adolescents. Very, very limited well done, you the job. Yeah, I have. Very limited. Um, so, the kids in this scene suck, though. Um, <laughs> so, and Dumbo doesn't realize at first they're laughing at him. He gets really involved, doesn't he? He's, they're all he's laughing, really and, he, and he, thinks, he thinks he's part of the joke. And it's not until his mother realizes that he's not. And um, here's my question, because she goes nuts and starts to wreck the place. And then the guy, the, the ringmaster comes in. Who left the elephants alone with the kids? <laughs> in the big top. Where's everybody it, it, else? It, it was the 40s. It was the 40s. <laughs> Everyone did that. I think they're sort of behind like what, like a little rope barrier or something. Nothing that would actually Wouldn't restrict there be a, any animal. be a handler, certainly. Yeah. Just yeah, um, I, I just find it amazing. Like, so there's an angry elephant throwing people around. So what? What do we do? We, why don't we just whip her? Like, let's hit her, make her more angry. <laughs> and they put a clamp. She, she was she was only spanking kids before, and then she started <laughs> ripping the place apart. And they just happen to have this like perfect like ankle cuff for her leg. Now, her, as far as I know from the animation style, her legs are pretty like consistent in dimension throughout so certainly if you could wrap it around her leg shouldn't it just like slide right off if she lifts her foot up maybe it's tight cartoon physics maybe um but the minute they clamp it her eyes turn bright red as if to know now she's enraged and she now she's enraged well yeah she's fully she's fully enraged (laughs) if this was if this was a video game she's reached like her superpower for like 50 seconds where like (laughs) she does maximum damage yes so as a result of the punishment, they put her in this little cart that says Mad Elephant, which they're going to trundle around from town to town. Like, I don't know how long her punishment was supposed to be, but they were leaving <laughs> her in there for, for, the, for the long haul. And she's really confined, and she's shaking as she's stuck there. She can't, there's not even room for her to sit down. She's punished to stand up forever. And then we cut to Dumbo. And Dumbo's by, his, by himself, and we accentuate that by having lots of empty space around him. And he's sort of rocking from side to side. And this is actually what elephants do when they are distraught. Aww. So they actually Aww. took that and utilized that and put that in the movie. And the elephants are having a hen fest. 
Not a he- I said hen party, but that's a different thing altogether. <laughs> <laughs> Brenda's getting hitched. But they are having a bit of a a bit of a, a bit of a cluck fest, and and they're gossipy, and these are like your typical gossipy kind of. Well, I heard that. Ooh. And so Brenda and her lackeys, I was not a fan of. And this is when we enter Timothy Q. Mouse. I love his little ringmaster outfit. It's so cute. Why is he wearing a ringmaster outfit? Because it's adorable. But why does he's he have a fancy one? man about town. I think it's also because he's the one that's in control of a lot of situations. So he's a bit like the ringmaster himself. It's like he went, it's act two, time for my entrance. Where's the, where's this mouse used to do like mouse circuses as well where they had like the, a miniaturized circus for like mice so is so is, is there like a super like small like mouse elephant thing that he abuses Poss- quite possibly is, is he like the I, villain in someone I, else's story i'm not the biggest fan of timothy uh, you said you, you're not that's right so, no, no. This is a P.T. Barnum of the Dumbo Timothy universe. Mouse. <laughs> Timothy Mouse was originally a Robin in the book. What? Yeah. But oh, they made him a mouse because they, they made him a mouse because of a juxtaposition between mice and elephants. Mm-hmm. And the understanding is therefore. Makes a lot more sense. All the other elephants are blaming Dumbo. And then we get some difficult things to hear in 1940. We elephants have always walked with dignity. I wouldn't eat the same bale of hay at him, as him. Now, this is the 1940s when, like, lunch counters are segregated. Mm-hmm. And the idea, like, you know, there was a, 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 a white part of, a, of most facilities. And there would be what, what they would say was a colored it was a for, for, for colored people. And, yeah. and if you were black, you would eat there. And most lunch counters you couldn't even eat at. You could eat behind it or you could do other things. But the idea about I wouldn't eat with them, that's a loaded statement in 1940. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, at least these, these are the villains. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, at least you got that going for you. But it was really kind of difficult to hear that. And then, well, well, Brenda said that she was a superior race a couple yes. of times, didn't she? She does. Yeah, I've got it here. She says, a proud race. And I'm like, okay, is this supposed to be trying an anti-racist message? And I, I think because it's the villains, it is. We're going to come back to that then. But thankfully, we have the mouse to instruct us how to feel. Because at one point, Timothy, this is Timothy Mouse, is, he just looks and goes, oh, oh, well, it's not his fault. I think they're really being mean. What's he was just trying ears? to do this. And what's the matter with his ears? I don't think they look so big. And I'm like, thank you, Timothy Mouse, for instructing me 40 minutes into the film, or not that long, but 30 minutes <laughs> into the film. It's, it's like a recap and how I'm supposed to feel in case there's someone going, I think Brenda's right. Stupid <laughs> elephant. Um, and so Dumbo and the mouse meet. And Timothy calls him Dumbo. Why does Timothy call him Dumbo? Why doesn't he call him Jumbo Jr.? Because he's a mean, mean mouse. Well, if the elephants have been talking about him and calling him Dumbo, he wouldn't know what his actual name was, surely. Dumbo wouldn't Timothy know what his actual... No, Timothy wouldn't know. What do you mean, where does Timothy come from? Uh, like, was he part of the circus, or did he sort of just hitch a ride? Because like, it would make more sense you if know he what? just hitched a ride. We are making Disney Plus millions today, because that's the third origin story I need to find out. <laughs> I want the spinoff with the hippos. The no, I want I Casey Jr. Hill Rogue won it, and it will like finish no, like right. seconds before Dumbo starts. Maybe he's, he's a man. Like, I can see the stalks overpassing. Maybe, Soon. maybe he's he's a mouse on the run, 
and he just hitches up with this local circus like changes because this is this voice actor's only voice acting credit. Oh, he would later go. He would. He was usually known for playing low level mobsters in like in like in like crime film. Yeah, for sure. I didn't think the conversation would go this way. It's kind of you know fortuitous that it has. But this is the only thing he ever did for. And I thought he was all right as far as an, a, a voice acting performance. Well, I thought he was all right. Yeah, yeah. And so he's got a peanut in his hat, <laughs> and he uh, gives that to uh, Dumbo to win him over. Because the elephants are all scared of him. Yeah, and Dumbo won't uh, come come out of this hay bale he's hiding in. And he's went use, uses reverse psychology on a child, which is really nice. Oh, I thought we'd get your mother out of the clink. That's what I thought. And then he starts whistling. I think it was the stork song he whistles as he walks away. And then, sorry, go ahead. I was saying, I think it is. Yeah. And then he's, Dumbo comes on out and he consoles him and goes, I like your ears. Plus, lots of people who have big ears are famous. Apparently, that's a reference to the American actor Clark Gable, who I guess had really big ears. And if you were a contemporary of a time, you'd go, oh, I get that. It's Clark Gable. I'm gonna say he does have big ears, Clark Gable. So. Does he? Because I don't see. I don't know anything about that, Dan. You were you on the other podcast, yeah. uh, he, best film he, ever. He you, does have quite quite big ears. You seem to be into your classic <laughs> cinema, don't you? Uh, I, I do like classic cinema. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he was a super megastar at the time. He was um, from Gone with the Wind. Oh, is that? Oh, is that who that? Oh, he's frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Scar- 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 Scarlett O'Hara and Rex. Yeah, he plays Whatever Rex. Not, not Rex Manning. Rex Manning is um, Empire reference. Uh, <laughs> Timothy's more so than Dumbo's personal struggles. He just seems to really want to be his business manager. And he's an idea for an app because that'll solve all Dumbo's problems. Well, I guess in the end it does. But at the time, you're like, he's, I mean, I, we need to get him in, into, into, the, into the spotlight. And just at this time, would you believe it or not, Within earshot, the ringmaster is trying to have an idea for a big act. And he's got this idea, and he said, I've got it, I've got it, all 17 elephants, all stacked up. He says, then what? He goes, I have no climax. At which point, <laughs> Timothy goes, Dumbo's the climax. And I've just got my notes, I think we would have chosen a different word if you wrote that screenplay today. This began my favorite 30 seconds of cinema I think I've ever seen this year, because I forgot about this entire scene. Okay. Just Timothy Mouse consistently just saying, climax, you're going to reach your climax, and then you'll find your climax. And I'm like, I know this is the 40s, and this is a completely different meaning then than it is now, but dear God. You mean especially when the ringmaster says, maybe it'll come to me in a dream? Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like in the old Batman comics where there's like one where um, Joker reads a newspaper, and it's like, everyone laughs at Joker's bone, and he's like, They'll, they'll rule the day when they laugh at my boner. And it's just like, because he made like a goof. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a dated reference. Um, and so Timothy decides he's going dis- he's gonna to disguise himself briefly in the ringmaster's sheets. And for a film that decided it wanted to have some conversations about race relations at various points, I don't know if dressing him with a white robe and a hood was the best decision <laughs> in oh, this God. film. Uh, he came off a little clanny in my eyes. Um, and so he just says that Dumbo's the climax. Dumbo can fl- can go up there. Dumbo can be at the top. And I've got, like, is there any way that Timothy knows that Dumbo is capable of any of this? Nope. No. Nope. He's setting him up to fail. 
Yeah. So I find that a kid who a can't mi- speak. A mean, mean, mean mouth. Yeah. So I find that a kid who can't speak and going, I'm going to solve your problem. I'm going to put you in front of a thousand people to do a speech. And you'll do it because I'll hit you if you don't. <laughs> and so we cut to the debut performance. And I'm going, have they not bothered to practice this? And I know Georgia would say movie's got a movie. And, you know, if this happens in a dress rehearsal, it's not nearly as entertaining for the audience. And I've got, again, why can't Dumble talk? And he goes running out and he trips on his, he's tripping on his ears. And I want to remind you that the ringmaster said, I'm going to get 17 elephants, all of them up there. I counted the number of elephants. I know salesmen will inflate numbers. He said 17, there were six. <laughs> is it possible maybe he did he was saying seven something elephants he said seven was the second. he said all 17 of them yeah I had maybe they're well. teenagers he got <laughs> 17 <laughs> elephants excellent theory let's roll with that yeah hi Finn. i'm your salesman for elephants now <laughs> hi immediately jeez um and so um Dumbo was running out there because he's been hit by a board or a nail or a pin or something by Timothy Q. Pin, Mouse. Yeah. yeah. He was running out. He trips on his ears. You could have seen that Which coming. Which have been tied up by Timothy. They've been not tied up. Well. Yes, not well. They should have got the stork to do it because if a stork had done those, yes. you'd still be trying to untie them. But he goes up and he crashes. And say what you will about Brenda. And I don't like her. She does a hell of a job keeping everybody from dying. For as long as she does. She's got some serious... <laughs> there's your act. Get Brenda to like go around the, the, the thing on the ball. I'll just keep her balance. I'd, I'd pay to see that. Say, like, surely that would have been entertaining as a starting act. That would have been great. Like, she, she, was play, she was playing with the ball. That's the thing. So I'd, there's, I'd there's your like, climax. Wow. Get the six elephants and then have her start moving around, around the big top. And then... Ta-da! But even with one elephant on her shoulders, I'd be like, oh, wow. These elephants are on top of each other. <laughs> And she looks, <laughs> she's got a great line, because poor Dumbo, which way he goes. And if you've ever been like the, the new guy at a job, this is exactly how you feel. No matter where you go, you're in the way. And this is kind of what Dumbo's got going on. He tries to run away from the uh, from Brenda on, on, <laughs> on the top of the wall. And she goes, out of my way, assassin. And I'm like, a bit, a bit intense, but a good line. Uh, and the big top falls, and somehow they all survive this. And Dumbo pokes his little broken flag out of a flap of the big top and, like, waves it. And just when it's starting to get sad, again, they could not wait to fade out from this. Just give it a moment. It's like a little white handkerchief of surrender. It, it is like a little white handkerchief of surrender. It's really cute. This little white flag with the blue D on it. So I've asked in my notes, how much responsibility does the mouse have? I think we've kind of all agreed on this um, a fair bit. Um. So back on the train, and I did love how all the elephants have, like, a different injury and a method to cure their injury. <laughs> like, one of them has, like, this giant, comically large block of ice on their head. Yeah. Which, I don't know how that would stop. I mean, frostbite's a real thing. I don't know mm-hmm. how that stops that. And there's loads with bandages and... Well, then the person next to her has the opposite problem, because she has a hot water bottle <laughs> on her head. I missed that. That's really funny. So, so, so <laughs> just cure them all in different ways. One of them is bound to live. One of them has that classic steak on the uh, on the black eye. <laughs> I saw the black eye, but I didn't see the steak. There's a I giant, giant a steak. And I'm just going, I'm, I miss those sorts of references. And as punishment, they've made Dumbo a clown. And Brenda tells us all, he is no longer an elephant. And then we cut to Dumbo as the clown. 
And they've lit a building, a little makeshift building, on fire. And he's stolen, stolen Mrs. Jumbo's bonnet. Oh, has he? Well, not actually, but he's okay. wearing a bonnet. And he's wearing a bonnet. And so <laughs> this building's on fire, and I'm going, I don't know anything about the circus, really. I've seen like one in my life. Is lighting a fire in an enclosed tent a great idea? <laughs> Probably not. So everything's on fire in the tent. And I, I'm curious, again, I'm going, did they practice this one? And so we oh. get, you hope so, but we, we, we get <laughs> yeah. a shot of Dumbo at the top of this like makeshift structure. And I'm just asking, how did Dumbo get up there? You know, elevator. Elevator, okay. <laughs> uh, at which point he's got to jump off this, this um, platform onto a um, trampoline. Tr- I don't have to trampoline because that would be kind of really bad but i guess it's something that's supposed to like sort of help catch him it's the kind of thing you're supposed to jump when when firemen would come rescue you they would hold out and it would have some give i guess yeah it just kind of looks like I, don't, I don't think firemen bring trampolines out and say jump well no but they're not normally clowns either and they don't try to cook their sausages <laughs> in the fire or water the plants i don't know what it was house. i really kind of liked this clown scene i quite enjoyed it as well yeah, uh, yeah. oh save my baby i i just really enjoyed that uh and then of course he jumps and it's paper not a trampoline or a cloth thing, and he goes right into what looked like whipped cream. I think so. And I it's thought a, it was soapy water, but there's 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 a big cheer, and um, we don't ever find out if they got the fire out. I'm assuming they did, because when because <laughs> when he lands in the soapy water, like the fire like just goes out, and they cheer. It's convenient. And they all start drinking in the tent afterwards, and they give a toast to Dumbo. And Timothy Q. Mouse is trying to cheer up Dumbo, but Dumbo is crying. But he lets Dumbo know that we're going to go see your mother. And I'm going, how long are they keeping this poor lady elephant in solitary confinement? Forever. Would you sell? Like, what's the point in like feeding her and taking her from town to town? Maybe she still helps to put up the uh, big top when they move well, to maybe. the next place. <laughs> But there's a great. And, and I, 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 we're assuming that they feed her. Yes. <laughs> we, we don't know what they do to poor, poor Miss Jumbo. <laughs> and there's a great joke though when they go up, and it's the one time Timothy makes me laugh in the whole, in the whole uh, film. But he goes up. He kind of knocks on the side of the door, and he goes, "I hope she's in." <laughs> and I was like, "That's actually quite funny." Um. And she can't make it all the way to the window, so she just uses her trunk to um, caress Dumbo. And it's all done without words as the song Baby Mine plays. And then she like picks him up in her trunk and swings him yeah. off as the lullaby. It's really cute. And this is sung by Betty Noyes, who did two of the dubbed songs for Debbie Reynolds and Singing in the Rain. Uh, this was up for best song, and it lost out to the last time I saw Paris from Lady Be Good. But, controversially, it was not actually an original song that beat it. So there are people who feel Baby Mine should retroactively be given that Academy Mm. Award as the best song. Because in order to be an original song, it has to be an original song for that film. We talked about that on our other podcast when we discussed Come What May in Moulin Rouge Mm. because it was originally written for Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Um, and then as this goes on, there's this lovely montage of baby animals and their mothers. The hyenas are my favorite because they all laugh in their sleep. And I think that's really funny. It's because they're all going to kill Mufasa. 
Oh. Say it again. <laughs> Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. Uh, we had alligators, which I've written down in my notes as alligators, uh, ostriches, zebras. Oh, I sound like you people say it. Zebras, giraffes, tigers. And this has become listed as one of Disney's best and most remembered regarded songs. It's been covered by several artists over the years with commercial success. And the American Film Institute included it on its list of nominees for 100 best film songs. It's a lovely song. It It is is a great song. It is a great song. I don't really remember the song itself. Oh. It's never one of those situations with a song and the visuals and... In today, they would put a million flashy uh, images and lyrics and sight gags, and this doesn't do any of that. Mm. It just—it's when you could be sweet without yeah. punishment. I did and, really appreciate all of the animation that went on alongside it. I just can't remember the song itself, but and I'll have they, to listen again. They part without words, and the clowns are still celebrating as we go back in silhouette form and they're negotiating a larger platform as they also try to negotiate for themselves a raise. Ethan, we spoke a few episodes ago about the 1941 mm-hmm. animator strike. Oh, this whole oh, scene yes, yes. is Walt getting back at the animators who went on strike so this is walt like really playing dirty and going fine you want to strike i'm going to immortalize you and so he makes the clowns like in silhouette form they are reminiscent of the reason why they're all silhouettes is so he can model them after the striking animators <laughs> and the idea being they got a little bit of success so now we're going to hold up the boss for more money that's him kind of just being a jerk and going yeah this is what you guys are like you're just a bunch of clowns they don't realize how good you have it oh god the more you dissect this film the more i just go oh oh no <laughs> and as they leave the booze spills into mm-hmm. the water oh and then timothy q mouse is trying to cheer up dumbo and he says besides don't cry you're a proud race and I'm oh like, don't cry you're a proud race and i'm going why do we keep using the word race to describe elephants in 1941 it's really weird yep mm. So he's, uh, Dumbo's got the hiccups, you know, conveniently. Drink the water, and Dumbo loves himself some hooch. <laughs> but it almost represented something else. He's like, hold it, hold it in your mouth. Hold it. Don't swallow yet. Hold it. Hold it. Okay, now swallow. And I was like, it seemed more like some other type of substance than um, alcohol. But Dumbo is instantly trashed, and then Timothy falls in the water, and then we have what I've got written down in my notes here as Bubble Olympics, which is basically um, <laughs> Timothy says, here's the type of bubble I want you to make. And Dumbo can do it. And again, I'm going, why is this not the act? I thought that. This would be a great act. Yeah. Blowing square bubbles. And then we have the song, and I use this term somewhat loosely, Elephants on Parade. Dan, you are our Dumbo um, expert aficionado. Super fan. Enthusiast. Enthusiast. I've got to say, I would never go as far as saying expert by any stretch of imagination. This is like... Well, now's uh, the opportunity. This film's only like 63 (laughs) minutes, and this has got to be like six or seven minutes of it. Is this... It's like the trippiest scene from any movie I've ever seen. Have you seen Alice in Wonderland? I I have seen Alice in Wonderland, and I just think it's always been one that I've remembered from childhood as a really trippy scene. (laughs) There's a scene that I'm just not keen on. 
No, no, you know, I'm not really it's either. A, it's a weird movie. It is. A weird scene. Really weird. I've never seen the effects of alcohol represented in this form of like hallucinations mm-hmm. that they can share. Yeah. But even if I get past the shared hallucinations, the idea like, like just, just hallucinations where things become other I, things. I really don't think it's alcohol, though. I think that's what I've really got written like down. Yeah, PCP or acid or something. See, I've gotten my notes. <laughs> I meant to look it up. I need to find out when L- LSD or uh, when these things hit mainstream America because I don't think it's this early. I don't know. I don't know my drug history, but. Uh, well, maybe it's some kind of crazy moonshine and it's not really champagne like we're led to believe. Maybe. And maybe. It's some moonshine the clouds that, uh, the clowns have made in the toilet or something. I don't know. This <laughs> scene got by the censors the first time. But often when it's reformatted for publication, the pink elephant scene is often replaced with Dumbo dreaming of flying. Really? Yeah. Which I didn't think it was like that bad. No, it's not. Unless you're just like, we don't want to see a child drunk. Yeah, I guess. But it's an elephant. Yeah. I felt like this scene was very reminiscent of Fantasia. Oh, this felt like it was just, here's some ideas we have for Fantasia. Let's use it. and paste it all like the... The rough cut bit from Fantasia. There's six minutes we didn't it. use. Make it yeah. work. And mm. also, it's it's some quite sort of simplistic animation styles, isn't it? Yeah. In, in this, so I guess it's a way of extending that film without putting loads of budget into it. And the music was almost like movements in like a like almost like you would in an orchestral piece. Like it had mm. different areas that sort of rose and fell and all that stuff. Yeah. That scene of all the elephant heads turning into like one walking elephant unlocked some like repressed childhood memory of when i first saw this because i was like oh i had a nightmare about being chased by that thing down a hallway because it's so ominous it's horrifying um and then it keeps going and eventually it does i know it feels like it goes on forever it does eventually end and they dissipate into morning clouds and we fade out did you not like it no i I, as an ending i thought I, i thought it was actually quite quite pretty really Leonard Maltin, who we've talked about before on this podcast as an American film historian, uh, he particularly he loves this film. He particularly considers the pink elephant sequence to be one of the most original and interesting sequences he has ever seen put on film. Well, it's definitely original. Yes, that's definitely <laughs> it's definitely original. And then I just have in my notes we meet the racist crows. Oh, not the, oh, not I, the crows themselves, yeah. but they kind of are. But, um, and I'm curious because I found a lot of information on this. It's something I want to talk about for mm. a bit. Yeah. Um, the lead crow, who originally was called Jim Crow. Oh, he's still called Jim Crow in a lot of the um, promotional stuff now, Is I he? believe. Yeah. Like they changed crow. his name in the 50s to Dandy Crow because Jim Crow, uh, yep. I don't know if everybody's aware of this, Jim Crow was, was a name of like, it was kind of like a fictionalized character type. That was used yeah. to represent segregation in the states. They were called the Jim Crow laws. Oh. Oh. Yeah, there was also um like the old minstrel shows. There was a guy called Thomas Rice, and he would dress up in blackface and do this whole thing of like the 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 wacky um, clumsy slave, and he'd do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it was very much a, a reference to that as well. Like and in, I, I I don't I don't I don't like this. Like like like, like in pre Civil War America. Yeah the Jim Crow character, which is like a minstrel character where you would yeah. put on, you would blackface someone up and they would play this black stereotype kind of thing. So to name the mm. character Jim Crow, because he's a crow, get it? That's a bit mm. um, 
hard. Um, film scholar Richard Schickel, in his 1968 uh, book, The Disney Version, argued the group of crows in the film were African-American stereotypes. I think that's absolutely the case. Oh, yeah. Uh, the personalities and mannerisms of the crows, specifically their fast-paced back-and-forth dialogue, were inspired on the back chat found in the band records of Cab Calloway and Louis Armstrong. Some have defended them, arguing they were not negative stereotypes, but rather positive characters. Uh, back to Leonard Malton, he says that the crows are undeniably black, but they are black characters, not black stereotypes. There is no denigrating dialogue or Uncle Tomism. Uncle Tomism is when white people would be shown in superiority of the, of, of the black characters, or if the black character um, yielded themselves to appear more white to satisfy the, 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 the white governing peoples. And it is often to be taken in hearing blacks called each other brother. Then that viewer is merely sensitive to accuracy. Meaning, look, that Leonard Maltin's thing is that's that part is part of the black vernacular. But if you're upset, then you're upset because they got it right. Now, I might say, I hear you. And for the most part, the crows are played by black actors, with the exception of Jim Crow himself. Oh, really? Yep. Jim yeah. Crow himself is done by the same guy who voiced Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> Oh, that's surprising. He's the one white guy in the group. You'd mm. think that would be the the one character they would make absolutely sure was a black actor. So, I mean... The fact that a white guy is playing what is supposed to be a black stereotype who's also called Jim Crow is wrong on so many different levels. It's almost comically funny how offensive that is nowadays. Now... Uh, in, in response to that, Ethan, there is an American historian who are, uh, named John Canemaker who said, the crows are amongst the very few characters in the film that sympathize and are empathetic. Now, granted, Timothy Q. Mouse has to sort of teach them that way and go, mm -hmm. look what's wrong with you. But he goes, because of that, they're the only ones who recognize that Dumbo, much like themselves, are marginalized. But unlike themselves, he doesn't, Dumbo doesn't have a, a community around him, at least the crows Within, they have their own subculture. We can see it through the way they talk. We can see it through the way they dress. We can see it through the way they, they, they dance. And sing. And sing. Dumbo doesn't have any of that. But they eventually recognize him as a fellow marginalized character. And at the end of the day, it is them who provide Dumbo with his... Um, magic feather. His magic feather, his ability to develop his skills within hmm. reason. Um. They, he adds that they are amongst the most intelligent, the happiest, and the freest spirited characters in the whole film. Um, film critic Michael Wilmington referred to the Crows in 1980 as father figures, self-assured individuals who were obvious parodies of proletarian blacks, but comments that the Crows are the snappiest, liveliest, most together characters in the film. They are tough and generous. They bow down to no one, and of course it is them who teach Dumbo to fly. Ethan, I'm curious your point on thought on this one. In 2019, mm -hmm. Floyd Norman, who was the first African-American animator hired at Walt Disney Productions during the 1950s, defended the Crows in an article oh, entitled really? Black Crows and Other PC Nonsense. Now, it would be overly simplistic of us to go, well, because one black animator or one member mm. of the Disney Corporation or one black person full stop has approved it, that means it's okay because he speaks for all oh, black yeah. people. However, mm. he is in the room at this point and is going, I'm okay. Norman, I'm okay with it. I will defend it as being good. Mm. It was 
it is interesting that the Crows and Timothy Q. Mouse are both not included in the remake of Dumbo. Yeah. So when we remake that, we won't mm-hmm. have these characters. And in 2019, it was reported that an edited version of the film without the Crows would be featured on Disney+. Plus. However, as we saw, it was there yeah. on Disney+. Plus. Now, it says in my notes, mm-hmm. there is a warning saying may contain outdated cultural depictions. I don't remember yeah. seeing that warning. I was going to bring that up. Um, because on a lot of old, um, older Disney films, uh, on Disney plus it's in the, it's in the description. It's not at the front of it. Uh, yeah. If you go to, if you go to the description, it will say, uh, uh, so it's like, this is the inspirational tale of a courageous baby elephant. And then you go like a line or two and it says, this program is presented as originally created. It may contain outdated cultural depictions. That's a bit of a cop out, not even to make it like a graphic when you first like put it on. I think when when I played it on Disney Plus this morning, it only came up to warn me that there was smoking in it. <laughs> so, but, not know, even, not to, even to, tobacco use. I think it said warning images of tobacco use. Not even like child LSD use or alcohol abuse or things like that. <laughs> Here's the thing: um, about ten, fifteen-ish years ago, Disney started to release a lot of their old, their older cartoons from the vault for uh, DVD collection stuff. And one of them is one from World War II called De Fuhrer's Face. And it's a very good animated piece. However, it is extremely racist in regards to depictions of Japanese people. Because they give them the, mm. the whole, their skin's yellow yeah. and they've got like over-exaggerated eyes. At the beginning of that, before, they have a member of the Disney Corporation to say, at this time, these were uh, how people were depicted. This is not okay now. It's the same with some of the older uh, Bugs Bunny cartoons, uh, how there was a lot of blackface and stuff in those, and they now have disclaimers at the beginning of someone being like, this isn't okay. Whilst I think it it bogs down stuff when we watch it on streaming, it's still kind of important in some regard, other than just a little bit of text on something you can skip. I agree. I mean, there's a reason why Song from the South isn't shown. Oh, yeah. So obviously there, there is a line. Because could because because they've 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 made one. Mm. Um, I'll just a couple little bit more, and I, I do want to talk about this as we continue on. But just some things to think about. Um, many of the crows were voiced by African American actors uh, at a time in which there was limited casting potential for them, and the crows yeah. are represented as I said, friendly, intelligent characters. But look at these visuals. We have the use of the word brother, the smoking of cigars, the hat without the top in it, and Timothy Mouse says to them. What are you doing down here? Stay up in the tree where you belong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they call him a brother. He goes, I ain't your brother, and I ain't no rat. Um, as we find, of course, they're in the tree, and that Dumbo must have flown up there. And then we have the crows who sing the song, When I See an Elephant Fly. Yeah. In 20- twenty. 20- in 2017, Whoopi Goldberg expressed a desire for these crow characters to be more merchandised by Disney. And direct quote, because those crows sing the song in Dumbo that everybody remembers. Absolutely. I, like, yeah. I really mm. like this song. It's, it's a good song. It's kind of jazzy, isn't it? Mm. So I suppose for it's the time. Very especially if when... you counteract that with the fact we had so much barbershop. Yeah. And so... then this is so mm. different. Again, it's like four guys making music. Absolutely. And we've we've commented before as well about how a lot of the opening credits, I think we talked about it a lot in Lady and the Tramp, how you've got that kind of very traditional choral style, which which I really love. But that's very typical of the Disney films of the time. So when you get something so jazzy and modern, 
you know, modern for its time, then it is a real contrast. And I think it adds a real liveliness to the film. Uh, Ward Kimball, the chief animator for The Crows, used famous African-American dancers Freddie and Eugene Jackson as live-action references for The Crows for their dancing. Especially, I'm thinking of that, that two-shot of those two crows who like do a synchronized dance together. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, and the costuming's also interesting. Like, there's like certain beatnik costume sort of choices for it. There's berets and like tight sweaters and da-da-da-da-da. And then finally, the, the, at the end of a song, which is largely making fun of Dumbo, because, I mean, think about it. You know, whoever heard of an elephant flying? And Timothy's not actually seen Dumbo fly yet, but he's all in. He's all <laughs> in on this, on this idea. And so he asked them, how would you like to be left alone? The lapping stalk of the circus. And I'm like, easy, Timothy. The kid can hear you. Like, if this doesn't work out for him, like, you're basically <laughs> writing, <laughs> writing the lyrics of his emo album coming up here. <laughs> They feel, you know, they feel good to go on, kick him, kick him now that he's down. And as Timothy goes to walk away and Dumbo gets up and takes Timothy's tail like he used to do with his mother in his yeah. trunk. And I'm like, oh, that's rough. And so then we done see the light in that broken English um, syntax. Um, you know, Dumbo's okay. And so they tell him, use this magic feather. Now you can fly, and we fade out, and we fade back in, and like 30 seconds have passed, and they've just gone to the edge of some cliff. And I'm like, could you not have like, had like a walk and talk and gotten over there? No, like, they couldn't animate that bit. Did you have expensive. to fade out? And so we're on the cliff. Uh, Dumbo blows up a lot of dust, and so Timothy thinks it hasn't worked, but of course he actually is flying. We get a When I See an Elephant Fly reprise, uh, and then we get told them city folks are in for a surprise, and we fade out. And we're doing the clown gag, and he's like a million feet up in the air. And I'm again asking, how do you get up there? Uh, do you have the magic feather? Uh, Timothy asks Dumbo. Like, literally, the feather is like brushing up against Timothy's hat. <laughs> like, they're that close to each other. <laughs> Plus, that's the bad time to be asking, do you have the feather, once you're already up there. It's like, it's like asking once you get to the airport and you're at the board of the plane. Do you remember, you, did you remember your passport? Yeah. Like, if, if I don't, that ship has sailed. I think maybe it was more of like an encouraging pep talk, like, yeah, you've got your magic feather, there it is. Off I think we go. it just grounds to the audience how important this is supposed to be. But they've got like 90 seconds left in this film, so we have to get through this. Um, as he jumps, the feather falls out, and there's a touch of fear, but the fear has never really been earned because we've never seen him like use the feather with reliance that much. But he's been told that that's why he can fly. I could have done with like a couple more scenes of him flying in practice yeah. or maybe flying in other places or in practice. Have that practice scene where he does fly. And then before the crowd, he loses it and everybody's afraid he's going to die. And then you find out he can fly, he can fly, he can fly. He flew. They, they, they kind of do that for the remake though, don't they? Oh, they do have, they really? Yeah, they have the additional scenes of where he uses the feather quite a lot. Wow. I never thought I would say this, but well done, Tim Burton. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a Tim Burton fan, but that actually sounds reasonable. Ethan, have you seen the remake? Yeah, I watched it a while ago, and watching it back, I go, I went. There are things in the remake that I like, and things in the original that I prefer. Okay. Uh, I have n no opinion on both compared, honestly. Okay. One has Colin Farrell, so I think I like Colin Farrell. Do you like so Colin Farrell? Sure. <laughs> and Danny DeVito. Uh, so then. He can fly, he can fly, he can fly, flies around, and does a series of tricks, which gets revenge on everybody who's wronged him. But not big things. Like, he knocks over the uh, the ringmaster. 
he grabs some peanuts and fires them like bullets. I love that bit. But like, that's like a minor irritant. Like, as far as a, a big victory, I'm not sure it's that. It's Unless someone has a fine. peanut allergy, he's killed them. <laughs> the the elephant with the peanut allergy. But I really liked how when he was flying around, he kind of embodies a plane. So yeah. when he when he does oh, like okay, that's that's true. Yeah, he yeah. does like loop the loop stuff, and his wings turn not his wings, his his ears ear wings. Uh, turn square like yep. like the wings on a plane. And then, of course, and when... he shoots the bullets like a plane would yeah, shoot the bullets. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then we have proof that this has all worked thanks to a newspaper montage. Um, he is insured for a thousand pounds. A million. A dollar, probably. It was a million dollars. Okay. Um, and Even then better. we find out there's a private car now in the train for his mother. She's now got a very smaller but bright, bright pink headpiece. Like, now that he's rolling <laughs> the money, he's like... I know what I want. And he's just going to fly, which I appreciate because the extra weight of that car would be rough on Casey Jr. So he's going to fly for a bit. He has a military. The crows just see them off and uh, he's a huge success. And that is the end of the movie. It definitely doesn't waste any time getting to the end. Is there even an act three? I don't know. It's like three minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that's kind of that so the question would then become you know um, the usual fit it up let's go uh, we'll go Dan Ethan Ellie around the circle Uh, favorite character in the film Dan it's easily Dumbo is it yeah (laughs) Dumbo okay anytime Ethan Uh, I'm gonna go Timothy because he was the only one that had like consistent character and charisma for me (laughs) okay um I do love how cute Dumbo is, but I'm going to go for Mrs. Jumbo because I just think, I just really like, oh, my favorite bit actually is when she slaps the other elephant with her trunk. She's got some good old sass there. <laughs> I think she just got, although she's not in it for a huge part of the film, I think she's just awesome. I'm stuck in the middle of this debate that we talked about with the crows. I want to say the one I want to like the most is Dandy Crow, Jim Crow. Yeah, I was thinking that. and mm. I want to like him the most. Not sure. <laughs> I don't know if... As a character, it's it's hard. Um, that notwithstanding, then, I guess Dumbo, his name's on the poster, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, I guess he's the one. Yeah. Um, there are a few songs. Are we all... Is, is uh, See an Elephant Fly the best song in the Absolutely. show? Absolutely. I prefer Casey Jr., but okay. again, I think that's just my own bias because I totally love fine. the barbershop stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like um, the Baby Mine one. Yeah. I think that one's my favorite. It's interesting the Baby Mine was the one that got the, the Oscar nomination, which again makes you wonder, why did you not give it to See an Elephant Fly? It's 1941 it's, Hollywood. It's, it's, what I, it's, what I, it's what I listen to when I'm just feeling slightly sad and I don't want to just sit in my bed and cry. Aww. So I'll just listen to Listen that. to Baby Mine. <laughs> just like, oh, poor Dumbo. <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite scene favorite scene because uh, oh, I don't think I give my favorite song I think for my favorite song I'll say Elephant Fly but my favorite scene is Baby Mine okay if I can add the visuals in and the fact they don't talk and they just touch and we don't even get to see like from his mother's perspective we just see the trunk come out it's just beautifully done yeah, it's lovely so I will say that Ellie I thought we were going the other way around. Well, we were, but I'm okay. just going to go ahead and... 
Sure. Um, so I, I didn't write down favorite scene, but I went for more of a favorite thing is the emotion that they put into the elephant's faces when they're sad and when they're sort of lovingly embracing and stuff. I thought that was really special and it just made me go squee. Just mix it right up. Dan? I, I think for me, um, it's when Mrs. Jumbo, um, uh, when she does the clasping the pearls moment, when they take the, when they're laughing at um, Dumbo's ears, and she like turns around and goes, oh! <laughs> <laughs> just, "I don't think I've ever seen an elephant clutch a pearls, but I have joined Dumbo." <laughs> See, I've never heard the term clutching pearls before. Is that have a you know? It's when it's well, I don't know if it's a British thing, okay. but it's when it's when uh, a nice um, respectable lady when she gasps, she cl- clutches her pearls. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she goes oh! and grabs the pearls. All right. <laughs> Ethan, um, I I think I said it before, but I, I it's 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 a moment as well. I just I love I love when Casey Junior is coming through the mountain, and it's the color palette for it and how everything's done. It's like a painting. It's so it's so beautiful. And I think all of my problems I have with this film, I take them away. I still I I love the art direction of this film. It's so beautiful. Okay. And uh, is there a grumble? Is oh, Actually, let me ask you a question before that. Which one's more problematic? Because I don't think the crows... I think the, my, my bigger problematic thing is the, is the representation of the black workers. Yes. That is my biggest mm. issue. Out of those two, I just wanted to get a touch on that. Because I don't mind the crows. You can argue the crows to me. And I can go, all right. I can sort of live with that. I can wrap my head around that. I can go, it's not an argument that really my opinion on it's going to um, mean a whole lot compared to other people's experience. But mm. as far as I've heard both sides, I can weigh it up and go, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm working through it with the crows. Uh, the, the black laborers, I, I really have a difficult time with that. I think that's the, as far as, you know, independent of the film as a film, but just representation, that's my biggest issue. I agree, yeah. Yeah, uh, I 100% agree as well. Okay. Uh, outside of that, any any grumbles with the film? Let's start with Ellie and we'll go around that way. Uh, for me, the Fantasia Pink Elephants on Parade bit goes on for too long. I don't I don't mind it kind of as a, as a concept, but compared to the whole length of the film, it's it's a big proportion. Okay. Ethan. <laughs> um, I mean, it 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 is just the Jim Crow thing. I think at the time that this comes out, this is what twenty. 20- three 24 years before segregation ends and it's just it's just it's just the tonal thing of everything how they they bring up race so much yeah for a film that brings up race and about racial purity and this and that i think it's it's almost like unjust for them just to say okay we're going to have a white actor play a character who's named after a minstrel character and then also do that same thing with the slaves and have them be referred to as as apes. I just it it's it's too it's too much for me, especially for the time period. It's almost it it's almost propaganda like. Why do you me. think it's still on? I I th- I think it's just because it's so ingrained. I mean, you have a ride based on Dumbo that is like a fan favorite. I think a lot of people now my age know Dumbo more from more from the ride and also just the cute cuddly toys i i think it's isn't the same way that gone with the wind is still well 
maybe not now, but before as of six, in the events. last six months, yeah, yeah, before the last six months, Gone with the Wind was also a big thing in in the Hall of Fame for film and all that. I think it's because it's such a it's such a cultural impact film, especially for American culture. Like Disney was the flying elephant and Peter Pan and this and that. I think it, it's in that same vein that we have uh, films with celebrities that we might now view as problematic because of things they've done. Same with music. But because they had such a cultural impact at that time, it then stays its course. And I think, you know, there is the argument of take away art from the artist and all that kind of stuff. But it, I, I think it's the time it came out, like that impact. I, I do wonder about these, just the social power of the Disney Corporation and mm. the reason why we started this, the idea that this is a series of media texts that we all seem to have seen. It's like a rite of passage for children. You grow up with the, with the Disney library and that sort of is a shared media language that we can all kind of um, find an accord in. And then something like, like the character of Dumbo and the, and the iconography of what that means and the message in parts of this, where it is about, you know, not being bullied and standing up for the outsider and, I wonder if that's the part they want you to focus on because in the character design of Dumbo, you get to avoid all that other stuff. Mm. When you get the full text, that's a little bit more difficult, but you can't pull Dumbo off of the air and keep the intellectual property of the character of Dumbo. Mm. And that's what you then have to reconcile is go, is it worth, if you're a Disney corporation or any other society in general, is it worth how important is this to you? Is it worth losing that that symbol of Dumbo? And it would seem the Disney Corporation have said, no, it's not worth it for us to, to, to lose the symbol of Dumbo. So, I think it has a message, but that message is a bit too muddled. I mean, it's in the same, but because of, because of its, its age, things will be seen, things that I'm sure that will be in films currently that, that have been said that will then not age well. I think it's that thing of, you you can have that character. It's the same with the current Dumbo. The, the current Dumbo doesn't mention that the reboot. Yeah, but I think it, it's a it's a very tricky one because of what it means. It's like if Peter Pan, uh, when it came out, oh actually no, Peter Pan's a fantastic example because of the depiction of Native Americans. Yeah, but we still we still celebrate it because of the rest of what that character represents. I think it's how how much of that content in that film is there that is seen as problematic compared to the rest of it. I think that's why Song of the South isn't shown because so much of it is problematic compared to one or two scenes, which for me personally is still too much for me. But I think for a lot of general audiences, they'll dismiss it somewhat. And back to my point, is there any lasting symbol in Song of the South? Is there that character like we have in Dumbo in like Peter Pan or Tinkerbell, these marketable character licenses that you can use you could argue yes because there are brer bear and brer fox and okay. brer rabbit plushies available but that i think is mainly because of the uh the success of splash mountain i think, I think that has a... nothing to yeah it has I... nothing to do with song of the and South, i think if, I think if we were doing like one of those tier videos that are all the rage now on youtube i i don't mm -hmm. think those are your b a or like you know top tier level characters. I mean, I think this is still the, oh, the yeah. bottom of the rung compared to Dumbo, Peter Pan, Tinkerbell. Mm. Okay. Uh, sorry, a bit of an aside there. Dan, your, your little grumble on your little grumble on Dumbo, your, your grumbo, if you will. 
I, I think I agree with Ethan pretty much the sort of same feeling. So I've always loved Dumbo as a movie, but I never really saw the problematic sides because I just loved Dumbo, the character. Yeah. I feel like that eclipsed it. But when I watched it to come on here, I thought I'll watch it more in a critical view mm-hmm. as independently as I can. And just instantly, like, the race thing was just so all over the place. I didn't mm. know, like, what race was supposed to be the good race, what race was supposed to be the bad race. And, like, the elephants, I didn't know whether they were depicted as good race or bad race. And it was just such a mixed message race, all, yeah. all the way through. So basically, we've ruined Dumbo for you. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> pretty, pretty much. There's... there's- no, there's no a, I'm joking. I'm joking. There's I'm a danger when you do allegories with like animals because the minute you make an allegory in any capacity, but not even animals, but the minute things that represent other things, you go, okay, well, then where does that stop? So, for instance, of Mice and Men as a, as a novel, um, you know, Crooks represents all black people and Curly represents, sorry, uh, Curly's wife represents all women and Candy represents all old people. Da 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 da. And you go, okay, that's really easy to line up. But if you go, okay, the crows represent black people all right and then who do the elephants represent and then therefore does any character who does something represent the race now or are they representing the can you have individual characters within this and it gets a bit muddled because you're going this part's a bit of a commentary but this part isn't and then that becomes difficult for the audience to navigate i think it's like with zootopia because they they have (laughs) no well no because they have the predator race which is like, oh, yeah, the, yeah, okay. the predator race, they're going to go savage. And I understand the allegory. I do think it's a fantastic allegory for children. But you delve into it a little bit too much. And you go, what are you trying to say about this, this or that? Yeah. And I think, I think it's fine. I think it's that the second you delve a bit deeper and you go, well, we need to, do we need to establish rules here or not? It can be seen as more problematic than intended. Okay. But I still think you, should, you, you can be able to enjoy a film... Uh, like this if you have childhood memories but you can still yeah. sort of subtract the the more negative commentary as well i've done Absolutely. it with uh yeah, I think so. pre, pre uh, films and music i mean i'm not a big fan of michael jackson music but i know people who love him but still are able to subtract those two kind of yeah. issues yeah uh for my i own... think oh, sorry go ahead oh, sorry. I, I think in regards to like the crows and stuff i always thought of as you know i'm a big fan of like the older movies and the representation of the crows in Dumbo, I I always saw it as a bit, it was a positive representation in comparison to other movies out at the time, because um, mostly in like 1930s and 1940s cinema, um, if you saw an African-American actor in these movies, they were generally like the handmaid, Mm. or um, they'd be like a a prisoner in a prison, or um, they'd be some sort of help basically and i think for me watching it the crows didn't appear that way no but obviously like we've discussed other elements of it that i probably glossed over (laughs) well i mean i think the best we can hope for is for people who are not black sitting around this table um yeah is going all we can do is listen and go Mm. okay and we've talked about the viewpoints of a number of experts and a number of members uh high high notoriety members, I guess, of the black community who are involved in the creative arts around the same. I mean, Whoopi Goldberg has done Disney films. Mm. Um, the animator whose name escapes me, we talked about, about him, the first black animator who was hired and their viewpoints on it. I think all we can do is be open to listening and saying, uh, 
I just want to know more. I, I want to know more. Mm-hmm. I want to know your viewpoint so that I can make my own judgments and my own thought process with that in mind, to make as informed a decision as possible. And avoid that knee jerk to go, ooh, this could be a bit difficult, so I'm just going to run away from the question altogether. All uh, oh, I agree with that. Yeah, because that's just not going to get anywhere, especially with ideas with art, or else we're going to have we're going to have art that doesn't deal with big questions ever. Hmm. And I'd rather deal with the difficult conversations and have the discussions than have that alternative instead. Uh, I think my little grumble is uh, I'm going to go back to story pacing. I'm going to go. Uh, I think we could have used. Uh, a few extra I would, I, would, I would have cut out the pink elephants on parade uh, I would have maybe tried to flesh out a few more of these characters or developments or story or situations and I don't know the mouse did a whole lot for us besides act as a voice for, for, for the audience and kind of go oh I'm yeah. going to explain what Dumbo's doing and I thought this was a movie that actually managed to get those feelings right most of the time anyway through the use of score and animation and I just felt that sometimes that wasn't necessary. But let the moment breathe. Let us have more than 60 seconds of Dumbo's mom being happy in the whole film. <laughs> it's like, she's happy. End it. They, they got the smile. End it after that. <laughs> Done. So uh, while we do and get ready for our rankings, and what we do here, Dan, is uh, we have an, as you've listened to the show before, but we go ahead and we uh, yeah. have an ongoing list. Now, you don't have to tell us necessarily based on these films where you put it, but you can just tell us if it's near the top, in the middle, near the bottom, da-da-da-da-da-da. But the rest of us are having to come up with a number. I think it's out of 17 now at this point. Uh, so, yes. Just to remind everybody, oh, wow. we have covered <laughs> Frozen, Mulan, Pocahontas, Lady and the Tramp, The Three Caballeros. We have done The Sword in the Stone, Wreck-It Ralph, Treasure Planet, Aladdin, Scrolls, Hunchback of Notre Dame, 101 Dalmatians, Alice in Wonderland, Frozen 2. The Wild, uh, Princess and the Frog, <laughs> Frozen 2, and The Adventures of Ichabod <laughs> and Mr. Toad. So, including this one, we're up to 17. As you think about that, just a couple of last things on the way out. Um, Bosley Crowther of the New York Times said Dumbo was the most genial, the most endearing, the most completely precious cartoon feature film ever to emerge from the magical brushes of Walt Disney's wonder-working artists. Time magazine had scheduled to run a story with an appearance for Mammal of the Year. And it's December 8th, 1941, a playoff there, famous man or woman of the year. Uh, it was canceled because the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. They went, that's probably a more important story for us to cover. <laughs> um, another, uh, Leonard Malton, oh, I said that already. Oh, no. Leonard Malton said that it was uh, one of Walt Disney's most charming animated films. In 2011, Time called it one of the 25th best animated films of all time. Ethan, this is reportedly John Lasseter's favorite movie. Hmm. Oh, oh, is that gonna is that gonna ch- uh, sway my my, my opinion on this film now? <laughs> There's also reports. I couldn't find too much substantiated that it was Waltz as well, but I did find a quote that said from him: "Dumbo was a happy picture. We weren't restricted by any set storyline, so we could give our imaginations full play. In other words, if a good idea came to us, we'd put it in the story. It was a really happy picture from beginning." to end 
And except for that whole bit where you did that mean spirited joke against your animators who were on strike. <laughs> but outside of that, it was a really happy process. And the film's only 64 minutes long, so obviously they didn't have that many good ideas. And just putting a bow on John Lasseter. After being named chief creative officer of Walt Disney and Pixar Animated Studios in 2006, one of John Lasseter's first acts was to kill a proposed sequel that was in the works. In this premise, Dumbo and his circus buddies have to figure out their way out of the big city after the circus train accidentally leaves them behind. Which just oh, sounds I love like the wild. It just sounds like the wild, doesn't it? <laughs> you know what? If you had done this and given me the characters I'd known from from um, Dumbo, I might have been better with it, and just not had clocks. Dumbo just no Coldplay. How he was like the best <laughs> elephant in the wild and he was able to toot his horn as loud as possible. <laughs> What's that called, Ryan? Have you seen The Wild, Dan? I, I've not. I've Don't. Not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Dan, in the grand scheme of things, in, in the Disney lineup, where does where does Dumbo fit for you? Is it still in there? Is, is it never top? I mean, you. I, I, I think, think our Dumbo, purpose here. Go ahead. Dumbo the character is one of my favourite characters that's ever been made by Disney, but the film itself isn't one of my favourite films. It it probably would be in the top ten, but it's definitely not top three. Okay, excellent. (laughs) Out of curiosity, because I don't know when we'll have you on again, just what are your top three Disney films, Dan? Um, Frozen 2. Oh, shut up. (laughs) 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 You are lost in the woods, my friend. Honestly, I, I was stunned listening to it all the way through. I was like, "Oh, somebody's got to love it." <laughs> oh, oh. And I, literally, every opinion like, "Nope, it's not great. It's not great." I, I loved it. I, I oh. went to see it like three times in the cinema. I loved it. Dan, you are the fifth spirit. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Frozen Two, um, uh, Beauty and the Beast. Okay, good, good shout. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do we do live action ones here as well? If you want to, go ahead. High School Musical 2. Oh, my God. You can, you can bet on it. I mean, oh, there's, I, I can't wait till we do High School amazing. Musical 2 because I've, got a, absolutely I've got a rant of all rants to do once we get there. I'm not going to oh, give it away no. now. I'm not going to give it away now. Ethan's ready to spark up with the conversation. I have a thing about High School Musical 2 I'm very excited okay, for good. to bring up as well about Chad. Keep it, in the, keep it in the chamber and we will definitely get there at some point. Um, I love High School Musical 2. All right. <laughs> Well, much like that. We are all in this together. Ethan, on that note, what do you have for your ranking? One being best, 17 being worst. I have this at 13. Okay. Uh, which seen, is... For the people obviously can't see, you've got like this like almost guilty smile on your face at ranking it at 13. <laughs> no, I'm going to say explain why. Because it's below Frozen 2. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. It, yeah, it's below Frozen 2. You hear that, Dan? It's better, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> above 101 dalmatians below frozen yeah. 2 okay uh I, I i i i can appreciate the art for what it is i think it's one of those things just because of because of uh my relation with a lot of uh people from different backgrounds and how more familial they are basically with me it's just it, it's too, it's too much to take away and also walt disney's a dick during this film yeah, to, his, to, his, to his cast i'm like oh <laughs> 
if I found out Star Wars was basically just a giant middle finger to everyone who worked on American Graffiti, I'd be like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that now. Yeah, Walt, Walt is pretty savage in this. Especially because he had to, like, talk to animators who didn't go on strike to then anim- – it's like he's doing it himself. Yeah. He's, like, paying other animators to, like, do this to their friends and coworkers. <laughs> that is savage. Uh, Ellie. Uh, so I've got it below 101 Dalmatians and above Pocahontas, which at puts it at number nine. Number nine. Yeah. So, so almost in the middle. Yeah, pretty much. Well, eight, eight, no, it, it is your median film. Okay. It is smack in the middle. Okay. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was heartwarming. It was very cute. Um, I liked the music in it a lot. Um, and it didn't overstay its welcome apart from that pink elephant's bit. We've all, we've all heard of the term like greater than the sum of its parts. That's not yeah. what this was. This was kind of the opposite. This was me going, once I started looking at it, kind of objectively, almost categorizing it, I was able to go, I did really like this, and I did really like this, and I did really like this. And that kind of took my initial kind of, and I, okay, I've got it at number 10. I've got it below Treasure Planet, but above 101 Dalmatians. So we that's, really don't like a one hundred. Yeah, we don't like a hundred one Dalmatians, do we? Dalmatians is not. It's just <laughs> I like a hundred and one Dalmatians. It wasn't terrible. It just wasn't particularly great. It was, My number. Eight. It was there. It's there. It's there. It's it's one that you don't go. It's the worst one you've seen. There's no way it's all mine. No, it, it was all right. But uh, I think much in many ways, like uh, Dumbo, there were elements of it that I'm like, I really, really like this, and there were other things I just the Twilight Park. There are other things I just can't. Oh, there was a there was a scene that wasted ten minutes in both films. There were certain elements of certain characters I just couldn't look past and go. And some point, it, there wasn't a lot of story to it, so I just kind of went, "All right." My, my main issue with this is it's not a short film and it's not a feature film. It's somewhere in between. They had enough content for about forty minutes worth of film, and rather than I actually I think. Maybe this is the perfect example of something that should have been like an Ichabod and Mr. Toad. I was just about to say, you could have just stuck Ichabod yeah. on the You end could of have it. put this, trim out the elephants uh, on parade, pink elephants on parade, and cut a little bit more and make that 40 minutes and then pair it with something else. Now, granted, it means you probably don't remember Dumbo like we do because it shares it because we don't recognize Mr. Toad or Ichabod as great Disney characters, but I think it's a stronger film for it. So that's my thing. Mm. Oh no, I, I agree with that. It's, it's sort of the same thing that Dan said. I I I love Casey Jr. Casey Jr. is one of my favorite things from Disney, but I almost forget that it that Casey Jr. is from Dumbo at points in time as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, he does feel like he's actually he feels like he's a character from a package film. He really yeah. does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Dan, uh, thank you so much for 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 coming on. Would you would you ever come back? It'd be great to have you do another film. I'd, I'd love to come back. Well, when we do High School Musical Two, he's on it. Oh, High School Musical Two, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Oh my goodness, um, I love High School Musical Two so much. Little bitch pod. We definitely want to give you some shine on that. It's a great observational um, humor kind of look around at the world we live in and go. You know, this is <laughs> which one of these things is, is, is more stupid. I've referenced it to it's like Seinfeld meets Sheffield. <laughs> uh, we've got some doozies in season two Did, as well. Any idea rough timeline when we can expect to see season two starting to hit? Um, I'll lie to you right now and say next week. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I've got no idea. <laughs> no, we are definitely looking. We don't know. We've not even started editing. We've okay, just been fine. we've just been recording and we've been. Sorting out merch and stuff like that. So, so you're ahead of the you're ahead of the game uh, on, on us with that. So well done there. 
So I, we've just been trying to get like different boats in the same lanes and stuff. So um, hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Excellent. Because we, we're doing the new thing where we're doing the little bitches, little bitch. Yeah. And that's that slowed us down somewhat because we had a bunch of content come in and then it just stopped. So okay. we caught up to that content. So I've been emailing every podcast that i talk to like please send us something well, we've actually got one from from best film ever headed your way it's it's added that i just have to send send and that's done and we're gonna I, throw I you can't wait. i'll over here in them and we're definitely gonna, gonna, gonna throw you one from the talk and the mickey crew at a, at a at a slightly later time so that'd be great um awesome. and then as for us what we're doing next week is we are getting together with a friend of the podcast richard and we are going to be looking at the Pixar film Cars. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> so I've never seen Cars. We are going so I have to no idea what's Radiator Springs, and we will be looking at that next week. And please, along the same breath, uh, get in contact with us on our Twitter and our Facebook, and vote in the poll because I want to change our stars because I don't like. It's currently pointing for two weeks from now. So you've probably got about, by the time this hits, you're probably about five days to uh, get your voices in and uh, see what you want to have us review. I haven't seen two of them, so I'm, I'm well up for two of them. I'm well up for three of them. It's just one I really don't want to do. <laughs> and it's oh, one of the movies again. A uh, quick reminder, yes, the movies would be Lilo and Stitch, The Rescuers, uh, Bolt, and The Aristocats. Uh, I'll, I'll vote for the rescuers. There we go. So, how do I remove my vote? Oh no! <laughs> oh, what have you done? I voted for the wrong one. I have purposely not voted to oh, keep no. it to keep it to what, keep it legit. What have you voted for? Don't, tell us, tell us off the air what you voted for. We don't want to. We don't want to. He just made a terrible mistake, which we can go ahead and do that. So please join us next week when we take a look at the Pixar film Cars. For talking to Mickey, I've been Ian. I've been Ellie. I've been Ethan. I've been Don. And I hope that much like Walt Disney, you have found this a happy experience from beginning to end. As soon as the mic turns off, I'm going to trash my co-hosts. I'll see you later. Yeah, Ethan, still can't see or hear you, buddy. Just so you're aware. Dude, you stupid. Oh, I can hear you. Uh... I'm guessing he still can't hear me. <laughs> <laughs>